You know, where's Amara at? There you go. So I read your uh, email. I read most of it. You're very, I read 75, 80% of it. And I thought the banana was hilarious. And, um, and not just hilarious, but also useful. It's like, you know, I, I, I do that all the time, those sort of things, you know, that general thought process, those sort of things. And would, would you talk with the group a little bit about some of those negotiations or macro principles involved in a, a couple of the negotiations? And I, I won't put too many things on your plate at one time. Macro principles about the negotiations you mentioned. And then, you know, how that affects your general mood or confidence or swagger, if you will, in uh, how that bleeds into interactions with other people, you know? So two days ago, or yesterday, two days ago, I found 11 cents on the floor, a penny and a dime, on my way to Walgreens. And I was like, all right, you know, cool. And then yeah, out at Walgreens, there's like this pile of bananas. And I was like, all right, it's 99 cents for one banana. That's unfair, OK? Bananas are way cheaper. They get them way cheaper. Um, Not at Walgreens, but eat it. So I was online, I had a banana. I was like, all right, I'm going to try to negotiate this banana down. So I didn't have my wallet because I left it in the, in the apartment, in the uh, hotel room. So I was like, all right, I have 11 cents. So I went to the cashier lady. He's like, I'm going to offer you 11 cents for this banana. I'm not going to pay you a dollar for a banana. You know, that's, that's impossible. And it, it was like bruised and it looks disgusting. It bruised and I was like, all right, I'm not, I'm not. I, it, I know that inside it's a good banana because I'm bruising on the outside, so, you know, it's whatever. Um, the cashier was like, sir, it's a dollar. It's like, I'm going to offer you 11 cents. And I'm let me get my manager. She got her manager <laughs> my $1 banana. The manager, she went, got, stopped everything, got the manager, brought, brought her back. And the manager's like, hi, what's the issue? And I'm like, I am offering you 11 cents for this banana. I, I'm not, I can't pay a dollar. And she's like, sir, it's a dollar. And then you, uh, you gave an example of like two days ago, like, you willing to walk away. So like, all right, look, I'm walking away. I'm done. I, I don't need this man. I don't need him in my life. Put it back. And I had a thought like, well, I still have 11 cents, and they still need to get rid of that product. So I was like, I went back to the manager. I was like, hey, I'll buy you a worse banana for 11 cents. She just started dying. She was like, just, just take it. <laughs> <laughs> so I took the, took the money. I just gave her, like, take this. I got whatever banana I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Best banana. Best banana ever. <laughs> So then, like, you know, I had to get some ice. You know, there was some ice on clearance at the uh, one of the malls in Venetian or whatever, and uh, it's too warm out. I get, I get a little colder. So I went to uh, one of the shops and I bought some before, and I didn't like. I had I had one that was like more colorful. And I didn't like it. So I went to her, and it was all sales were final, clearance sale, no refunds, nothing. Again, I didn't have my wallet. I didn't have my receipt. I had nothing. I went to her like, look bought this yesterday or two days ago. She doesn't even know. It's like a random lady. It's not even the same person. I was like, I want to return this and I want to get something else. And I, I didn't even give her time. I was like, look, I want that one. Give you take it back. I want that one. And she was like, sir, but you know, we, I, where's your receipt? Like, you know, like there's like all these obstacles in the way. And I was like, okay, 
but look at look I this is your product like like I, I put down like reasons for her to believe that I was the client and everything and I, I like was nurturing her or guiding her through and the Jagger just came with the alley hoops like pull up his email pull up this thing show like we have evidence like all that okay. <laughs> at the same time as taking all these rose quartz the free rose oh, yeah. quartz in the bowl he's like as he's talking yeah yeah and then uh yeah and she, she there was like the place was crowded it was a clearance sale everyone's just coming in like fucking bustling only lady working stops what she's doing goes out of her way it's like all right pulls it up while the black gets a bag puts it in boom gives me that new bracelet takes it puts it back and she's like sir all sales are final i don't ever do this okay just don't. I, all sorts of fine. Like she was like, her brain was broken. She's like, why the fuck did I just do this? It's like this beautiful green one, and uh, you get what you negotiate for, you know. And it's really just driving that home. And I can't wait to take this back. And like, I like I get calls from tenants on the phone. I feel like they you know, give me all this bullshit. And now I can just fucking handle it. Like crush it. I, like how can I stack this like even higher? You know. Like what deals can I close ten years down the road? because of the bananas for today, you know? So. You know, even the way he's talking about that, and you, you guys have been around him for several days, you have a, a bit of a cadence for his personality, you know? And uh, you, you see that's notably different, you know, that the, there's a rhythm in a, in a, some juice in there, you know? And then, you know, people, people ask questions. And it's not that it's a bad question. It's a well-intentioned question, but, they, you know, set little goals and overcome little challenges and willing to tolerate social pressure and willing to be awkward and so on. And, like, you know, uh, I, I think frequently if I, if I can't negotiate free water from a German, how, how are you supposed to negotiate something important in life, you know? How, if you can't negotiate a goddamn banana, if you, if you can't be successful in a $1 negotiation, you're really going to be super successful in, you know, a multi-million dollar negotiation or, you know, a, a billion plus dollar negotiation? Are you really prepared for that? So, it, 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 on, on one hand, it sounds very, very simple and very petty and, and just like, like, bro, like your time's worth more than a dollar. What are you doing? But, you know, like I, a lot of people would have that type of rebuttal. And I'm like, no, like, if you can't negotiate that fucking banana, you're now going to go and negotiate a fucking, you know, I don't know, a, a, a multiplex apartment or something? Are you really going to get the best deal you could on the fucking apartment? Are you going to go negotiate with, you know, vendors or, you know, suppliers or vendors for your business that are professional negotiators? Like, that's what they do for a living? Are you, you can't negotiate a fucking banana, but you're going to negotiate the best deal there? It's like, I doubt it. I doubt it, you know? So I think those little foundational things of, I try to, you know, I try, I, I make sure that every day I have a, a little social pressure situation of some kind that uh, just keeps your brain sharp. You know, you can't turn that on and off when you want to. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle to be that way. And, you know, I wouldn't argue a cashier is about a dollar every day for the rest of your life, but those, those little social pressure, you know, moments or opportunities that, uh, you know, you, you could go one way, but you choose, you know, you're like, you know, you know what, I'd rather blah, 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 you know, rather push this and see where it goes. Well, you learn interesting things. You learn things about yourself. You learn to be, you know, calm under pressure. You don't have those little fuzzies or anxieties that a lot of people do. Just really eradicates that from your system. That makes sense. 
I think you'll feel that. I think, I think you feel it right now, but I think you feel that continuously that there's a hell of a lot of correlation between the things that you do in your business life, the things that you do in your professional life, and also the things that will happen in your personal life that if you find those little moments of amusement and you know, little victories, little victories prepare you for bigger victories and bigger victories and bigger victories. And you spend your life that way. You and I were talked about that till you know quite late in the night. Uh, some of these topics at I don't know three thirty or three forty five or something like that. Um, spend your life that way. It's just you know just accumulation of little victories that grow into bigger ones and bigger ones and bigger ones. And um, you know another comment is I, I forget who I was speaking to because I had a whole lot of social interactions this week. But you know yesterday we talked about that. It's like you're overcoming your your current obstacles, maybe we did, I'm not sure. Overcoming your current obstacles is like, your reward for overcoming your current obstacles is not like a, a lifetime of leisure. Your reward for overcoming your current obstacles is like you're, you're now qualified for more difficult obstacles. And then more difficult obstacles and so on, and, and then you'll die later. And you know, if, you, if you put that in your brain at an early age, the, you know, if you're a young man and you start thinking about that, it's like, oh, like, the point isn't to do a couple things, then lay back like a bitch and not do anything with the rest of my life. You know, the, the point is that uh, you'll have a lot of opportunity to, to pick your battles, to pick your obstacles. You know, if you do that, make a, a habit out of that in your 20s, in your 30s, you have a lot more latitude of like, you know, what challenges do I want to pick? I don't have to do some shit I don't really want to do, but I still have a lot of youth, so what are some challenges that I would like to pick, that I'd like to take on? What are the next obstacles that, so you have more latitude or choice about which obstacles, but they'll be more difficult than the earlier ones. But you did all the early ones that were emotionally difficult because you felt like you had to because you're young and you, know, you're, you're, you don't have that experience yet. But uh, I think a person that does that, um, you know, you're gonna have a very different life in your 30s and you have very, very different life. You do whatever the fuck you wanna do in your 40s and 50s pretty much, you know? So, and you'll still be, you know, Sheldon Adelson over here that owns the Venetian Palazzo complex, owns half of the stock of the company. Um, the company Las Vegas Sands LVS. Sheldon was like 60 years old. And he, before that, he, he was a cab driver. And then he, sold a, he started a fucking tech conference. You guys could look him up. He sold this tech conference in the 90s, I think to Microsoft, for 80-something million dollars. Had some... some turned it into a significant conference, like a trade show type thing, and then you know, sold that to Microsoft. I, be I believe it was Microsoft. That part, I might be fuzzy on, might be somebody else. Got something, 80-something million dollars, and uh, a chunk of that in his pocket, and a chunk of that off to investors and whatever. And you would think if you're, in your, you know, you're 60, 61 years old, and you had you know, tens of millions of dollars, and you used to be a crab driver, maybe a lot of people would stop about there. And, and he risked all of that money and went into debt to go get into the casino business, you know? He's one of the richest people alive. I don't know what his current net worth is. I know it's been about 30 billion in the past. You know, in the last recession, his, debt went, his net went, worth went from uh, high 20s, 20 something billion to like two. And uh, there's an interview there, some woman's asking him about it. Uh, and he, he's just like, like, really, like you could just see, it was just like, she, he, he thought like, this is the stupidest question ever. Like I'm still a billionaire. And I could still do whatever you know the fuck I want, and he was he was just kind of like you know just baffled by her stupidity. So you know how do you feel about blah blah blah? And he's just like I just do anything I want. So anyway, you know, and, and then and then he turned that into another you know 
rode the stock back up. I made a lot of money with that stock too, but turned that back into 30-ish billion dollars again. I don't know what his current net worth is. Something like that. The stock price is, what's the level of ES at? 60 bucks, 55 bucks, something like that. Yeah, $55, something like that. He's doing fine. He's doing okay. Yeah, he's, he looks like he's been dead for five years. The man looks so decrepit. He looks like he's dead and decomposed for five years. But uh, I think he wants to stick around. He's a Jew. So I think he just wants to stick around and make some more money before he dies. What the fuck's that stock at? I would think 50-something. 50 59.60, yeah, $59. Look up, you, look up Sheldon Adelson net worth. Um, Steve Wynn, who is more well-known, Steve Wynn has a pittance of a net worth relative to Sheldon that Steve Wynn might not have two billion. He's got one point something. And, uh, and his ex-wife has got as much or more. As of November, $35 billion. $35 billion. Uh, Look up Steve Wynn's net worth quick. It's going to be one point something, I imagine. Maybe it's two. Good for him. Good for him. Um, you know, these. You know, Steve didn't need to do that. Steve grew up in Pennsylvania. His, his dad ran bingo halls. His dad was running bingo halls. He grew up in you know, in bingo halls with like old ladies and shit, back in Pennsylvania. And he, I think he came out here originally. That uh, I think he just got a job out here. I think he was an executive at the Mirage, and. Uh, he owned a little chunk of land where the forum shops are, Caesar's forum shops right now. And they wanted to build the, you know, Caesar's wanted to be like a quarter acre, like a quarter acre, so 10,000 square feet. And they wanted to build the, the forum shops and uh, redo some casino towers over there. So they're trying to buy the land from him. And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to sell it. <laughs> and it's just like a little chunk of land, you know, in the middle of their operation. And, you know, so, uh, they, they keep, you know, so, no, we, we really want to buy this. And he's like, well, you know, $12 million. And they're like, <laughs> for a quarter acre. <laughs> and they're, they, you know, they, were, they didn't like that. So they tried to take him to court to force the sale of the land in some imminent domain type case. And uh, the, the courts were like, no, we're not going to make the guy sell the thing. So he got something like $12 million for this tiny land parcel that's now where, you know, part of the Caesar Palace facility is. And uh, then he, he used that, and, uh, and he was an executive at uh, the Mirage and was, you know, grew up around you know, the bingo environment and you know, knew about gaming and gambling and those sort of facilities in general. And he pivoted that into uh, uh, the Bellagio. He, he ended up being a top guy at the Bellagio. He was responsible for a lot of the design there. And I, I, I believe he had a small equity stake in Bellagio as well. And then later on, he pivoted that into the Wynn Encore complex and uh, just boop, 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 just worked his way up from, you know, a kid hanging out in bingo halls, now $3 billion, and has quite a fun life. And his name is much more well-known than Sheldon's, but Sheldon's got more, you know, 12 times the net worth. But, you know, and just, just you could give up at any of those stages, but, you know, you, you know when you got that, when you have the rhythm of you're, you're used to doing tough things and... You know, you just keep doing that. Like, you know, most people tend to keep doing that. A lot of them do. I think Sheldon's an anomaly that, uh, you know, that guy's a bit of a gambler himself to do some of the bold shit that he did. But, um, yeah, when the, the, you know, that, that banana negotiation, you know, I've met Steve twice. 
never had a length, you know, never had more than you know, 15 second conversation, a couple of little niceties, you know. But um, I bet if you talked with the man, if you had, if you had the context to have a conversation with the man, I bet he's got a banana negotiation, the equivalent of that somewhere in his history, for sure he does. For sure he had a ton of little negotiations that he didn't just turn, you know, I'd say $12 million and you just, you know, there, there, were, there, were, there had to be some precursors to that where he's like, you know what, you know, I could sell the thing for a million dollars and be well ahead, but let me see where this goes, you know. And, you know, willing to go to court over it, et cetera. There's, I don't know what they were offering him, but I'm sure they were offering him a couple few million bucks. And they just didn't want to pay him what he wanted. And he's like, well, I'll just keep it. So those little banana things can turn into a lot of money later. Can turn into a lot of money later. I tried to think of the, the fellow's name, really awful with names, good with a lot of structure, but um, Ackman, Bill Ackman, Bill Ackman's investor and uh, often wrong, but never lacking confidence. So I always think that about him, that the guy, the guy looks pristine and well-dressed and he's always well-groomed and looks like he's a thousand percent certain of anything he says. He's often wrong, but never lacking confidence. But I think he got into Brookfield. Do you know the background in him? I think it was Brookfield. He, he bought one of those malls back in the last recession. He was fucking with malls. And he, he bought this thing. It was like it's bankrupt and fucked. And uh, look at the Bill Ackman mall investment. I think it's Brookfield Properties. Um, okay, good. Um, Bill bought those fucking malls for nothing, and you know, he's running a hedge fund, so he bought a, a large chunk of that company for nothing and got uh, something like a 20x return on a mall investment. But he didn't just write it back to normal. So he said, you know, stuck with that and thought it was like, you know, no, there's, there's more room, more room, more room. Got like a 20x return, which I don't think we will. It'd be a great story, but I don't think we will. But uh, got a 20x return, I think with Brookfield Properties. Might be a different company. But uh, you know, he's another one, another person. They're like, yeah, you know, I don't think that was his first negotiation or his first big investment. You know, was, there had to be a story. I don't know his backstory, but there had to be a backstory behind that. That you know, several little, several little banana negotiations have to take place before you have the fucking, you know, the the confidence and certainty to to look at something and look at the data and not feel anxious or not take a a three x return or a five x return. And you know, stick that out and get a fucking 20x return, which is uh, extraordinary, extraordinary.